Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Retrospectives podcast. This is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Turlings. How are you doing on this absolutely miserable day, James? Miserable? I think Overcast is the, the highlight of the year, honestly. See, I, I can't wait till we get some more sunshine. But uh, if you like overcast days, the game we're playing this fortnight, Quake, it's always a miserable day. I don't think I spotted a uh, single ray of sunshine the entire time. <laughs> today, we're going to try and answer the question, is Quake still a good game to play today more than 20 years after its release? Has it truly stood the test of time? On this podcast, we don't try to understand how good Quake was at the time of release or the in the context of the times in which it, was, uh, it came out. We're instead evaluating it through today's lens and by today's standards. You only have so much time to consume games, televisions, movies, etc. And we try to figure out if your precious time is worth playing this 20-year-old dinosaur. Before we get into the guts of the game, I just wanted to go over a few technicalities as to how we chose to play Quake. So after consulting with the Quake community on Reddit, we decided to play Quake with a fairly modern engine called Quake Spasm. And uh, we did this because it largely preserves the original feel of Quake, but it also fixes some bugs. Uh, it gives better music integration and um, supports higher resolutions. And I just wanted to go into a brief aside to talk about how we feel in our philosophy on using newer versions of these older games. So from my point of view, because we're asking the question, is this game worth playing today? There should be some consideration given to playing the best version of the game. So for example, with Silent Hill 2, our previous game, we had the option of playing the remaster or the original. And the remaster diminishes the original. It removes a lot of the fog effects. It makes the game look worse and ruins a lot of the atmosphere. Whereas this week, instead of playing the original original in its buggy, somewhat dilapidated state, we're playing on an engine that preserves the feeling of the original but updates it a little. And I think that's fine. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, James. Yeah, I mean, who's really going to be playing it without the higher resolutions on purpose, right? Yeah, and it's very easy to get Quake Spasm. You don't have to do a lot of registry edits or anything. You just click and drag a file in there. So we figured that if someone wanted to experience Quake today, Quake Spasm was the best way to do it. That aside, and those are our reasons for playing it on that engine, it's completely free and very easy to do. Let's move on to uh, Quake. Firstly, a bit of background about Quake before we get into the meat of the episode. It was the first true 3D shooter ever released. So a game called Descent and a few others were fully 3D beforehand, but Quake was the first to blend 3D environments with first-person shooters. Other games from this era like Doom and Duke Nukem and Blood were 2.5D, they were using a lot of pixel art and, you know, the enemies faced you no matter which direction you went in. Quake is true 3D. The idea is that you can rotate around an object and view it from any angle. 
because it is a shooter from this era, it follows a lot of the same basic gameplay. Um, you run around levels, killing everything that moves, uh, collecting ammo, health, and armor, and you're just trying to reach the end of each level alive. The basic setup slash story of Quake is uh, also incredibly simple. Um, you get tasked with killing an enemy force that's invading the Earth or the stations, codenamed Quake. And uh, as you're leaving this mission briefing, all the bases get overrun with invasion forces. And you have to battle them, collecting a room from each of the four separate episodes and their environs that you progress through. And finally confront the big bad with the four runes unlocking another portal. So that's the basic setup of Quake. Uh, not a lot there, but really that's all you need. The first thing I wanted to talk about, and there's there's a lot to talk about, and this is a little vague, but I wanted to talk about the movement and the feel of Quake. Previously, we've only really covered Doom as a first-person shooter, but Quake, because it's in a fully 3D space, and for a couple of other reasons, has a distinct feel as a first-person shooter to other shooters of the time and more recently today. So I wanted to ask you, James, how do you feel about the movement and general feel of playing Quake? Yeah, so I think this is quite good. Uh, I still think that moving in this game feels quite nice. You can move very, very quickly if you choose to and if the environment allows you to. And I found the inclusion of being able to jump allows you to do a lot of, you know, kind of janky platforming around the level. The levels are designed in such a way that you can play them very quickly. You can go flying through this game if you so choose and you know what you're doing. And it does challenge you with a lot of narrower corridors to kind of, you know, work out how to maintain speed when shooting through these levels. But unlike a lot of modern day, more slower, methodical shooters, this game is just all action all the time, you know, just sonic speed around the level. Um, and I find it quite fun and fluid. And it never does anything that takes control away from the player or slows you down unnecessarily like a lot of games today with their cutscenes and their you know environment interaction stuff like pressing buttons and activating stuff you know you do just by walking into it or shooting it and it really doesn't do a lot to detract from that feeling of speed throughout the game yeah i was just going to note it's interesting because you actually move slightly slower than you do in doom we're in doom when you're sprinting you go really really fast but the fact that you can jump and the fact that I think you're in a fully 3D environment and you're moving up and down literally, your movement through the environments does feel a lot more fluid. I think the other thing that's interesting is how fast you move relative to the enemies because the enemies in this game on the whole are all slightly slower than you. So you still feel like you're moving fluidly your relative movement speed is important as well as the um the just the sheer movement speed yeah i agree with that there is like one or two enemies that move around quite quickly for the most part everything moves around a lot slower than you do which i think does a good job of making you you know feel like you're going faster than you actually are but even those enemies that do move faster than you, um, and I think that it's important to name drop the fiend here, which is an enemy that leaps at you with its claws. The fact that it's leaping at you and you're circle strafing to dodge does give a sense of speed to this game that doesn't exist in the same way as Doom, I don't think. Because you're both moving rel quickly relative to one another, 
it feels faster than, you know, slowly and methodically taking care of a horde of enemies in Doom. One thing I will say is that while the movement feels incredibly fluid in this game, and we're going to bring up comparisons to Doom a lot, it was by the same studio in roughly the same era, um, I think the actual feedback on shooting things doesn't feel quite as good. I don't know how you felt about that. Oh, I mean, we'll go we'll go into depth of uh, all the weapons later, but um, I love the weapons in this game with uh, with one notable exception, and I think that they have far better feedback than um than most of the guns in Doom. So okay, yeah, I I think that the like like I said, I really want to go in depth on this, and we will a bit later on. But um, I I think the feedback on all the weapons is wonderful. I will say with regards to the feel as well, one thing that adds a lot is getting to aim. And I know that you really liked the locked vertical perspective of Doom, whereas I, I really want to aim. And one of the things I love about Quake is that you have you can look up and down as much as you want. And to me, that just feels so much better with traversing these 3D environments when I have full control over where my character is looking at all times. Oh my god, can you imagine if they had these huge 3D environments and you couldn't look up and down? That'd be such a nightmare. Well, the thing is, a lot of the time when people were playing these games when they were released, that is how they played them, because a lot of people didn't have mice. The The idea of needing a gaming mouse to uh, to play these games was, was not one that was universally accepted. <laughs> yeah, but I'm absolutely not going to recommend people to be playing that way nowadays, hey? No, you need to play this game with a mouse. But but yeah, having free free look with a mouse improves first-person shooters dramatically. And I guess this is what, what I meant when I played Doom, how it felt awkward looking up and down staircases and enemies on other levels. Just being able to move your mouse up to shoot them and, you know, freely moving through water and other things, it just makes a world of difference. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, that's why literally every other shooter today has adopted that, right? The mouse look, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it goes without saying that it just feels so much more natural and it allows for so much more in terms of aiming, yeah. I wanted to move now to difficulty because um, James and I actually played the game on different difficulties. When we first started this podcast, I was kind of like, we should always play the game on exactly the same difficulty so we have exactly the same experience. But in hindsight, that wasn't the best approach. I come from a shooter background, whereas James comes more from like an RPG-ish background. So we have different strengths and weaknesses. To put this into perspective, Patrick was once on a Counter-Strike team, whereas I just played shooters for fun. Yeah, so it makes sense for me to play on the higher difficulties for shooters because it's a very natural thing for me. But for James, it doesn't come as naturally to him. He's not as naturally good as these games. So, I played on hard difficulty, and James, you played on normal, right? Well, I started off on hard. Because yeah. I was like, yeah, I can do this. And then about halfway through the first act after you know, bashing my head against one of the levels for about an hour, I was like, I've had enough of this um, and put it down. Yeah, so the, the essential difference between the difficulties is on hard, there are more monsters and different 
sorts of monsters, usually higher level, and you take a bit more damage. Enemies still die in exactly the same hits, but uh, you're facing tougher enemies and more frequent enemies. And I will say I do like that approach they've taken with the difficulty of changing monster placement and the damage that you take and not just making everything into bullet sponges. I think it's a very good decision that they've made. Yeah, there's also Nightmare difficulty, which uh, makes enemies shoot projectiles faster and you take even more damage from certain attacks. I tried Nightmare for a little bit. I'm actually currently doing a playthrough of Nightmare, but I found it too difficult to play in a natural way. I had to be a lot more strategic, so I, I stuck with uh, hard difficulty for this playthrough. Yeah, so after I finished the game on normal, I have gone and played a few of the levels on hard, and I find that this game has a big problem with difficulty spikes, like, the majority of the levels on hard for me I can beat without dying now, but there's like two or three throughout the game that I just cannot beat on hard. One of them's at in the first episode, and there's another one in the second episode. And then the rest of the game is fine for me on hard now that I've, you know, sunk a bit of time into the game and, you know, gotten good. But there definitely is some problem with the difficulty balancing. When I started playing, uh, hard was too hard for me because one of these levels that was, you know, significantly harder than the others is in the first episode. But then normal was an absolute cakewalk for me. Uh, I did finish it on normal and I died like maybe once the whole game. So the difficulty spiking question comes very early on. It's in episode one, mission three. So to begin with, there are two that are called shamblers. After you kill one, the second one spawns in. And this is like the hardest enemy in the game and you're immediately thrown against two of them at once in a room with other enemies as well. And then the final room is four fiends and a shambler in a fairly confined space. And it's, it's weird because that's the most difficult that that entire episode ever gets. I'll also say that I found episode four difficult as well, but for different reasons. But that's a bit more acceptable because it's the final episode of the game. So you, you'd expect to be challenged in that area. Yeah, I just, in general, I found getting a good difficulty for myself was hard. You know, I'll preface this by saying in general I'm not very good at shooters, but you know, when normal's too easy and hard's a bit too hard, it's just kind of, like, not as satisfying as the game could be when you've got a, like, a well-balanced game to play. Yeah, and part of that might just be the time in which it was released. People hadn't played shooters anywhere near as much, so they probably completely missed the mark. But yeah, I, I'll say that if you are familiar with shooters in the same way I am, uh, hard is a good, a good level of challenge. But if you're coming to it without that genre knowledge, you're going to struggle to find a difficulty that's perfect for you. So um, with that being said, let's move on to, to me, what is the big thing with Quake, and that's the level design. How did you feel in a general sense about the level design, James? Yeah, so having played Doom, you know, a few months ago for the cast, you know, as our first episode, I came into this game expecting much the same from IDSoft, and they vastly overperformed in this regard, in my opinion. I think the level design in this game... You know, it starts off being pretty good, but by the end of the game, uh, especially in episode 4, I think the level design is excellent. They have stuff hidden all over the place to find. You're running around on different levels, you know, jumping and shooting. It's, you know, it's great. I love it. It's interesting you say that, James, because I very much have a dissenting opinion. Do you? I think 
episode four is the worst designed of all the episodes. I really? think episodes one through three are really well done, and I strongly dislike episode four. It's my least favorite episode for multiple reasons, including the level design. Okay, so I'm going to say that I found episodes one to three close to boring, and that episode four I wish was the entire game. So I, I have a few problems with episode four. So the first one is uh, episode four's levels, they're larger. They're less less constrained, less corridory. They're bigger levels. And I far preferred when um, these levels were kind of more close-knit and corridory and you had less room to maneuver. Really? So let's start with that. I really disagree because I think that the movement options shine the most when you've got a lot of space to kind of you know, zoom around in and, like, fight enemies. And I just think that oftentimes when there was a lot of narrow corridors, I had to slow down. And that's not what I wanted to be doing in this game. I wanted to be, like, moving as fast as I could all the time. And I can definitely see that if you're better at the game than I am, you can still do this in the narrow corridors. But for me, I pretty much just had to stop and, you know, duck out from behind pillars whenever there was tight corridors. Yeah, so the problem with the larger open levels is that you're not being challenged to navigate the spaces correctly. And it's not that there were never times in the earlier episodes where I got crushed and ambushed and killed, because I absolutely did. But in general, I enjoyed um, navigating those spaces correctly. Because, you know, if you're running into a wall, then you get trapped. If you know exactly where you are relative to the level around you you're able to essentially back strafe your way to safety and i felt that with with the larger corridors that that was completely taken away you were you were safe essentially uh the larger the space you were in i don't know if if you felt that way did you did you find it easier to to do those levels i thought the corridors allowed you to use cover and just be safe from projectile attacks especially against shamblers who often try to shoot you with their big heavily damaging ranged attacks you've got a lot of stuff to hide behind in narrow corridors whereas in the big open areas they are you know a bigger challenge because the strategy becomes getting close to them to bait out their melee attacks rather than you know just popping out from behind a pillar to shoot them occasionally Sure, I guess I played fairly aggressively and mobile in the first three episodes, and a large part of that is the fact that because every single enemy in the game, except the very uh, basic zombies you encounter at the start, because they all have ranged projectiles, you want to be moving all the time, and providing you are moving all the time, you can dodge everything. I found that a more passive playstyle in Quake actually often was to your detriment, as grenades rain down and, and you know, you, you'd be getting attacked by melee guys. Whereas if you were just bunning, hopping about like a madman, you could often avoid a lot of their attacks. And I found that a lot more fun and interesting to do when I was in a more constrained space. When I was in a big open space, the challenge went away and I was forced to just approach it a little more methodically, which wasn't as interesting to me. So did you take advantage of bunny hopping a lot throughout your playthrough? I'm curious about oh, this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. To, to me, to me, bunny hopping is nigh essential. And combining that with circle strafing is really important to surviving a lot of encounters. If you bunny hop circle strafe, you can dodge pretty much any, uh, any enemies. It also helps you close the gap on, on enemies when you're using like the shotgun to maximize your damage up. Okay, so I know of the existence of bunny hopping, but I don't know how to do it myself. I've cleared the whole game without doing it. Um, I want to point that out. 
So I think that offers, you know, a pretty good movement option for the higher levels that maybe, you know, maybe it's my fault for not looking up how to do it and just taking advantage of that. I think that it's important to note the difference in our play experience for this. I, I will say I'm not perfect at bunny hopping or anything. Bunny hopping I'm using as a uh, as a way to say I was just jumping around. A lot. I was spamming space at every available opportunity. Yeah, sure. But you get a lot of distance covered by doing it, right? As yes, opposed to regularly yeah. jumping. Yeah, yeah it, it, it lets you move very quickly. Um, so going back to the distinction between, to me, the first three episodes and episode four, I think that episode four's levels tended to sprawl outwards a lot more, a lot more similar to Doom in a lot of ways, in that there were these big wide levels with lots of different areas. Whereas I personally really appreciated the elegance of the earlier levels, which is that the levels in Quake were vertical in that they're often kind of like three different, three and sometimes even four layers on top of one another. So even though the physical space they take up is, um, is the same, it's a lot more uh, condensed. It's all in a smaller overall area. And I preferred that sort of level design to level four's wider, less vertical one. For me, a big part of enjoying Level 4, Act 4 so much, was that Quake has a very specific set of theming that it's going for. It's not like Doom and other shooters of its era that are kind of, you know, cheesy action romps. I would say that Doom goes for a much darker, more atmospheric experience. And one of the things that Act 4 does better than the other three levels is kind of, you know, push this onto the player. It's got lots of spots of complete darkness and really eerie soundtrack. And I think that the level design was often quite nonsensical. There was teleporters everywhere. And, you know, it just really added to that feeling of unease for me. I thought that Act 4, better than Act 1, 2, and 3, really got the theming correct. Sure, but mechanically, you enjoyed it more as well, right? Because to me, mechanically, I far preferred the more vertical overlaid levels. Whereas, yeah, and that's in a macro sense as well, because episode four still has areas that are vertical. But I think that the levels, the entire levels in the earlier Quake levels were vertical. Yeah, so obviously, as we've just discussed, you're more mechanically adept at this game than I did. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I think more than a lot of games, this game rewards players who are good at it with a fun experience. Like, the better you are at this game, the more fun you're going to have with it. Whereas, to me, it sounds like you had a lot of fun controlling your spacing and your movement through these labyrinth-like, tight, compact levels. For me, I found it quite dull, and the real joy of this game came in the exploration of the levels, which I think Act 4 does a better job of, because they're bigger and they're so alien. Yeah, I take what you're saying. Yeah, for, for me, and I'll say now, I played through the game twice in its entirety, and I'm on my third playthrough on Nightmare now, and normally I don't do that, but I was having so much damn fun with this game that I just wanted to play it through twice. There was also the fact that I hadn't listened to the music on my first run through, so originally I was just going to you know, play a few levels to get the feel of it, but after playing for a little while, I just was having so much fun that I decided to finish it. And uh, yeah, the the level design is a large part of that. I, I liked these tighter spaces. To me, it fixed a lot of the problems with Doom, which was once you get yourself into a safe space, you can kind of slowly take your time wearing down the tanky monsters. In Quake, with I mean, how I the still did that. Were, in Quake, yeah, I still did that all the time. 
But were you able to do it when fiends were leaping at you and knights were charging you and people were spewing grenades from the heavens? Because for me, the approach I took was to kill the enemies as quickly as possible. Because the you know the sooner they die and the more effectively they die, it, it kind of removed the danger for me. Yeah, so on normal, the level, the enemy density isn't quite as high. So there are sure. a couple of situations where you have to take out a few key enemies, otherwise you'll be overwhelmed. But for the most part, if there's fiends leaping at you, you can just circle strafe um, and slowly wear them down with shotgun blasts. Sure. So, so it seems like we have a pretty big difference of opinion here. Um, yeah. I, I will say, I will say, as someone who plays a lot of shooters, I preferred when it was challenging and I was in in close corridors. And um, I'll get to that in more when we get to discussing the weapons. But um, yeah, I, I think that the weapons fit this more narrow, small level design a lot better than the large ones. There is one major issue I take with Act 4, and this is the only issue that I have with it um, compared to all the other levels, is that in Act 4, there is a particular enemy that only appears in Act 4. Uh, and yes. did you find this thing a pain in the ass to fight? This, as much as I did? They're called, they're called the Spawn, and this enemy is the worst in the game. It basically, once it aggroes on you, it flies across the screen at you at unbelievable speeds, its movement is incredibly erratic, and when it dies, it explodes. Yeah, this enemy... so, and it's small too. It's a small black goo-looking thing, and it just bounces around the room, shooting around. Oftentimes, to get a good shot on it, you have to do it in close combat, which ends up causing you damage because of the explosion it leaves behind. When there's yeah, two this... in the room, it's absolutely a nightmare. This enemy sucks. I love every other enemy except the spawn, and it's because it almost doesn't conform to the rules that the other enemies do. All the other enemies are very killable. Like, you know, if you move correctly around them, you can deal with them. But the spawns move so quickly and so erratically that it's almost random chance if you take them out in a convenient location or not. And yeah, that being part of episode four also uh, detracted from my enjoyment. I hated those stupid monsters. Episode four also, I felt to me, it was the power-ups episode. I don't know if you noticed that, but the prevalence of quad damage and ring of shadows and pentagram power-ups, they were all over the place in episode Yeah, four. I loved it. It was so fun. Um, I loved chaining quad damages and just powering through the level, one-hitting everything I was flying past. It lets you fly through narrow corridors by just blasting through them. Um, and you get to feel really, you know, really powerful. And, you know, you spend your time paying attention to the level design and the traversal rather than fighting the enemies. I thought it was really fun. So my feeling on quad damage, which, as the name suggests, multiplies your damage by four, is that I liked it most when they were contained in secrets as, like, bonuses to absolutely wreck enemies for a period of time. You know, because the thing about quad damage is it's not a slight bump. It makes you an overpowered killing machine, which which is really fun. I thought the problem with episode four was that it almost became an episode where you had to be somewhat reliant on power-ups in order to proceed through it optimally. There are levels with four or five quad damage power-ups, most of them not even hidden behind secrets. And it's pretty tough to get through them without quad damage, which still trivializes those encounters. So because quad damage is such a massive power-up, I liked it when it was used sparingly as a reward in secrets to make you busted for a short period of time. 
when quad damage was obvious or required, it trivialized it. So once again, I, I didn't like how many power-ups there were or how obvious they were in episode four. Yeah, so one of the things I really like in games is when you've got a lot of short levels that you can play repeatedly to learn from and get better, which I absolutely think this game is very good at. Um, I think that, you know, Quake's a short game. You can finish it in four to five hours, and there's a lot of room for improvement. But for me, you know, not being the best shooter player, a lot of that improvement and, like, kind of optimization of my route through a level is really hard for me to, like, see. And, you know, if I sit there and think about it, I'm not going to get very far. The thing with being able to chain quad damage is in Act 4 is that it's a really obvious spot in which I can optimize my gameplay. You know, I can grab the cold damage, kill this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, go through this room, hit the next one, and then keep going, and I can figure out how to make the most out of those, and I found that really fun. Yeah, I mean, I will say that level optimization is a really important skill for anyone trying to sail through these levels, as is found in speedruns, for example. And Quake is, like, to me, one of the greatest games to speedrun. I, I love watching a speedrun of this game. But uh, I, I guess the problem with me is the, the power disparity level. Quad damage isn't a slight boost, it's an absurd boost. You're almost unkillable with quad damage, you're tearing through enemies so quickly, even though that's uh, not technically true. When you use the rocket launcher with quad damage, it's quite dangerous, and uh, yes. <laughs> I died a couple of times while doing that. So yeah, I, I like when it wasn't there too much. I liked it in Secrets, I'll say that, which, uh, which gives us a good chance to speak about the Secrets. Did you think the secrets were better or worse than Doom in their implementation? I think they were better. There was a lot more variety, I felt, in things that you could shoot or hit or find. And, you know, finding them felt pretty satisfying when it was like a super armor or, you know, some ammo for the Thunderbolt gun. I think that, you know, it did a pretty good job of making you feel good when you found some of these things. I like them more as well. I like that they removed the pressing space spam on every single wall, hoping, hoping to yes. find a secret. But, um, yeah, most instead of it's the time, shooting walls spam. <laughs> yeah, but most of the time it, they're not on random walls. There's usually uh, Something an identifier. That, yes, yeah. Like in the second level, there are these TV screens with spinning globes on them. And that, like, makes them stand out as an item you're supposed to shoot. Yeah, and you get some uh, sweet power-ups. So, yeah, I, I quite like the secrets. They're well done. I wanted to talk briefly about the sense of sameness to the Quake levels. So I think that while the Quake Quake levels have a great sense of mechanical difference for them, you know, with the enemy placement and, you know, the layout of the various bridges and stuff, I think Quake does suffer from a generic feeling of sameness in a lot of areas. And part of that is the aesthetic, but part of it is the fact that you're traversing the same sorts of environments over and over and over again. And I think that that was a drawback of the level design. I feel that Doom had a lot more unique feeling spaces than Quake. In Quake, there's a lot of bridges and, you know, corridors and it was harder for me to pick out one level of Quake compared to another. Whereas when I think of Doom, all of those levels stand out very vividly in my mind. 
Yeah, I'm going to say now that I think this game does one thing better than any game that I've ever played, and that's the color brown. Quake <laughs> does the color brown in every facet of its graphical design. Everything is brown. The enemies are brown, the ground's brown, the skies are brown, the interface is brown, everything's brown. It's just such a great brown game. In Quake's defense, they do also sometimes dabble in greens. Very yes, dark, and, murky and greens. Um, in Act 4, they step out of their comfort zone and try black for the. For, um... Ooh, and, and blue as well. But yeah, yeah. The, uh, the color palette uh, does not do a good job, I guess, identifying unique areas of the game. So uh, it's, it's hard for me to think back on. There are a couple of levels that stand out, but a lot of them kind of blend together in a, in a series of drawbridges. Yeah, they really do. Um, I found that one of the levels that stuck to me was wind tunnels, the one with the pipes that you shoot around in Mario style. Yeah. Um, but that only separates itself from the others in terms of like gameplay, not in terms of how it looks. I do think that Act 4 has some, you know, areas with cool stained windows that look cool. And, you know, lots of dark patches and torches that give it a really dark tone. Compared to the first few levels, which feel like a lot of castles and, you know, just brown everywhere, really. Did, did you find any of the secret levels? I actually didn't. I found two of them when we played through Doom, but I wasn't able to in Quake. I found all of the secret levels without consulting walkthroughs. Um, the latter three are pretty, pretty standard levels. They're kind of tough in a lot of ways. But the the secret level on the first episode is um, is like a low gravity one. So you, you're, I think it's one eighth normal gravity, which was, which was quite fun. So when I found that, I was like, wow, these secret levels are sweet because you have to do all these big jumps to get through the level. That does sound uh, fun. Yeah, it was. But then the others were pretty standard fare. They, they could have fit in the main game and I would notice otherwise. So I thought that was a slightly wasted opportunity. When ID made Quake, they didn't really know of the existence of rocket or grenade jumping, something that has become a mainstay of shooters nowadays. Um, a game from 1994, Marathon, had it before Quake, but Quake was really the game that popularized it in a big way. And what that means is that in Quake, if you shoot a rocket or a grenade at your feet, it will explode you in the opposite direction to the explosion. So you can go absolutely flying through the air. And the level design doesn't account for that at all. So levels can be basically skipped in their entirety in a lot of places with a well-timed grenade or rocket jump. And although this is not what the designers of Quake intended, it doesn't matter. You can break the game in a lot of ways. And I actually think this works in its favor. The first time I played through Quake, I intentionally ignored rocket and grenade jumping because I wanted to see everything in the entire level. But being able to exploit the game's physics to skip large parts of the game is actually really fun. It's it's really fun breaking the levels, doing things out of order, etc. So uh, to me, that actually added to the game in a big way. Yeah, and I want to go back to what I said before about this game really rewarding you getting good at it. I think that as a single playthrough experience, this game is quite average. 
but I think there is heaps of potential as a game that you replay over and over and over, getting better at each time. And I really think that's the way this game should be played, even. And I think that's the way to have the most fun with this game. Do you agree? Uh, well, I disagree that a first playthrough of this game is average. <laughs> I mean, it's probably slowly becoming obvious, but I, I adore this game. This game was was incredible to play through even today. It was uh, it was awesome. And I'm going to go into more depth of that later, but it, this game is, is amazing. I'm just saying that it's, you know, the, the fact that you can skip large chunks of the level with a well-timed rocket or grenade isn't actually to the game's detriment, even though it breaks the game. It just... Uh, yeah, it gives you more ways to to master the level and speed through it even faster. Yeah, and that's fair. I can completely see people really, really loving this game on their first playthrough, but I can only see that if they're good at shooters to begin with. For me, somebody who, you know, only will play a bit of Siege every now and then, I just didn't grip me the same way that I think that it gripped you, and I think it would grip a lot of people. Because, you know, while I was moving around fairly well, I just found that the moment-to-moment gameplay that wasn't the fast-paced movement to be really average, honestly. Yeah, so the the gameplay for me is like is what everything this game is about. And I, I can go into quite a bit of detail, but I guess the first thing I want to start with is the grenade launcher. Because to me, the grenade launcher in this game is the alpha and it's the omega and it's everything I love about this game to bits. In a lot of ways, the grenade launcher was my default weapon playing through the game and it's perfect. So the way the grenade launcher works is, you know, you shoot a grenade and three seconds later after it hits the ground, it'll explode. And if you can get direct contact on an enemy, it will kill them. The grenade launcher has a splash damage aspect to it. So if you're too close to the enemy, you're going to take damage. But it's also got an arc. It doesn't shoot in a straight line. So you need to be constantly tilting it at the right angle as you're flying around the level, you know, accounting for enemies' movement and their distance from you. And a lot of the enemies are jumping in at you and trying to attack you. So it's this awesome ballet where you need to be perfectly managing your distance, arcing your grenades. You can, because the grenades bounce, you can shoot them around corners, all without getting too close to the enemy, or you're going to take splash damage and potentially die. And to me, that dance that you have to do when wielding it is wonderful. Like, mastering doing that is incredible. And that's what I love about these games. It's the the flying around the map and perfectly navigating the 3D space and, you know, blowing enemies to Gibbs all the while. And it sounds to me like you didn't have quite the same sort of euphoric experience as you were playing the game. I did actually make use of bouncing it off walls quite a lot, Um, but I actually defaulted to the shotgun and the nail gun most of the times because I found that in the cramped spaces that a lot of the earlier game had, the grenade launcher was more of a liability, honestly. Um, I hit myself with that thing a lot um, when I started out, which is maybe it's why I enjoy Act 4 more, because it made me let me use that gun in a more safer spot because one of my issues with the game is there's this enemy that's quite common in the game that has its own grenade launcher that takes quite a lot of hits to kill if you don't use a grenade launcher and I found that the bullet sponginess of that enemy 
combined with how frequent you run into them really kind of detracted from the feeling of the gunplay to me. And that's so funny because to me, the Ogre Grenadiers, the enemy you're talking about, they're what tie everything together. Because when you kill that enemy, they drop two rockets. In other shooters, like notably Doom and others, rockets are like this scarce resource that you can only use in certain situations. In the first two to three episodes of Quake, the Grenadiers are everywhere, so there are rockets all over the place. You are heavily encouraged to use the grenade launcher and later the rocket launcher from very early on in the game and to use them frequently. So I never felt like I was wasting ammo because it gave so much back to me. And it was, to me, that's wonderful. So many games are so stingy with their sort of grenades and rocket weapons, whereas Quake wants you to use them all the time. Yeah, sure. But I mean, the ammo conservation aspect wasn't my issue, right? It was the environmental damage from my own weapons that I was worried about. So I would often just, you know, use the safe weapons, which take like a lot of hits to kill those big enemies. And, you know, you end up feeling like they're just big bullet sponges after that. I agree that there was danger in using the grenade launcher. But to me, that was like part of the appeal and part of the fun because you had to be careful. And I definitely killed myself with the grenade launcher, don't get me wrong. I didn't blitz through this game perfectly. I, I, I died a lot. But learning the safe distances and spacing yourself, that was, to me, the joy of the game. And I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you if you just play too safely because you kill enemies so much faster with the grenade launcher. Yeah, you do. And it's not like I didn't use it ever. Um, mm -hmm. And when I did use it, I did enjoy it. I particularly liked how... There is these zombie enemies in the game that get back up if you don't kill them with a certain threshold, and the grenade always makes them explode into chunks. And, you know, while I think the feedback from shooting things in this game is generally whatever, probably worse than Doom, I think that that in particular was always extremely fun for me. Can you can you go a bit more into what you mean by feedback? Because I, I don't quite get what you feel that it's less responsive than Doom. So in Doom, when you shoot enemies, they often play an animation when they get hit. I don't think they do that in this game. And, you know, when you're shooting an ogre with a shotgun, you know, I counted a regular shotgun, which you never really use in the game, takes 10 shotgun hits to kill. And, you know, occasionally it gets knocked down, but most of the time you're just sitting there holding left click and waiting for the damn thing to die. And it's really, really boring. Whereas, you know, one of the things I like in the first episode of each act is that they're filled with lots of grunts that die in one hit, which give good feedback to the player when you kill them and they just completely disappear in the later episodes of each act which i think is a mistake in keeping that good gun feel going i think that you know keeping the current number of enemies in each level but also adding lots of things that die in one hit would have done you know a huge favor to me in terms about how i felt the feedback was I actually completely agree with that. Um, one of the things that Doom does really well to the very end of the game, so when you start getting the rocket launcher and these more powerful weapons, you can feel amazing as you kill like 30 almost immediately. I agree. I wish there were weaker enemies more sporadically spread out throughout all the episodes, particularly in episode four, where the density of high level enemies gets, gets to an extreme. It would have been very satisfying killing like three or four runs with a grenade launcher, but you never really get an opportunity to do it. Yeah, and that's why I felt that I think getting so many quad damages made the game feel better for me. I will say the shotgun in this game is not very fun to use. Uh, yeah, Dooms shoots... is way better, right? 
Part of it is that it, it shoots a little bit faster than Doom's shotgun, but its damage is a lot lower, and it's definitely worse than the double-barrel shotgun you get in Doom 2. I think I would have appreciated if it shot a bit slower but did more damage. As it is, every time I swap to the shotgun, I sighed in, you know, I sighed in annoyance. Sometimes I needed to do it to conserve ammo, but it wasn't the workhorse weapon from Doom that I wanted. Yeah, one of the things in terms of weapons that I do think that Quake does much better than Doom is encouraging you to use different weapons against different enemies. I don't know if you felt that way, but in Doom I often felt like, you know, I'd just use whatever gun I had equipped and that was fine. But Doom gives you a lot of different weapons to use. You've got the grenade launcher and the rockets, as you mentioned, the shotgun, and you've got a nail gun, which is essentially like a machine gun. And some I of love these the weapons. I love the nail gun too. I think that, you know, strafing back and forth and keeping your cursor lined up with the projectiles is really fun. I think that games these days that make use of hit scan weapons really do a disservice to their game. I think projectile weapons are much more fun to use, and I think that that's definitely something that this game does well. The nail gun's a beast. It te- or more accurately, the super nail gun's a beast. That, that was the other problem I had. There were some redundant weapons. Once you get the super nail gun, I don't think there's any reason ever to use the regular nail gun ever. Well, um, the super nail gun uses two ammo per shot. So, but but it does more damage, right? Yeah, it does more damage. Yep. I think it, the maths works out the same. That there's there's no reason to use this, the regular nail gun. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so that was kind of slightly wasted. It's probably good for the multiplayer to have a slightly weaker machine gun, but for the purpose of playing the single player, super nail gun just outclasses it in every way. But uh, then you've got the um the rocket launcher, which um you know unlike the grenade launcher, it doesn't have an arc. It just shoots infinite range straight line rocket with like massive splash damage. So I, I didn't use the rocket launcher nearly as much because uh, the splash damage was quite high. I can manage the grenade launcher in those corridors, but the rocket launcher was a bit too tricky for me. Really? Okay, I prefer to use the rockets than the grenades most of the time. I found them being pretty accurate. One of the things I will say going back to the grenade launcher is that I felt like when you aim upwards, you get a bit of extra distance in how far you can shoot the grenades, but it really wasn't as far as I needed to be in a lot of situations, and it really felt not as good as it could have because of that, in my opinion. Yeah, I I was actually going to say the exact same thing. I have two minor quibbles with the grenade launcher. One is that, as you said, it felt like it was slightly too short. I felt like there were ranges where I should have been able to shoot it that it uh, didn't quite reach. I struggled quite a lot to shoot enemies that were elevated above me because it it didn't seem to be going quite far enough. Um, The other one is a little more niche, but I thought that the grenades took slightly too long to explode, like just by half a second. When I was uh, playing around with the grenade jumping, I kept mistiming it over and over again. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like that because... Grenades explode on a direct hit with an enemy, so they really incentivize accuracy, which I think is, you know, a fun aspect of the game um, mm-hmm. and something that you can get better at. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the grenade launch is fantastic, and yeah, I enjoyed learning to master it over the times I played. So apart from the weapons, which I, I know you don't like the feedback, but for me, they, they were fantastic. Uh, There's also the actions of the enemies, and I touched on this briefly before, but the enemies in Quake, except for the very first grunt that you encounter on the first level of each episode, none of them are hit scan. They all have projectiles or have strong melee attacks. And to me, 
that was a far better gameplay experience than fighting against um, against hit scanners. Yeah, and this was one of the things that I spoke positively about in Doom, was that all the enemies with projectiles were much more fun to fight than anything with just a gun. And they've really taken advantage of that here. You know, there's this... There was this enemy, I think it's like a Great Knight or a Death Knight, I think it's called, that has a big spread projectile attack that... It just does not look like it's the kind of enemy that can do that. Um, But I found it quite fun to dodge between them. Yeah, and the best bit is each enemy has their unique take on a projectile attack. You've got grenades flying at you. The As you said, the Death Knight has a spread attack. The ghosts that you fight shoot fast-moving but fairly low-damaging green projectiles at you. You run into one of the higher-tier enemies called the Vor that shoots these purple orbs that lock onto you and follow you around with insane accuracy. It's very hard to get them to explode on the wall. And finally, the big shambler has a wind-up to shooting a lightning beam at you. So if you're timing it correctly, you can keep dodging behind a wall or a pillar to, to avoid it. And when you put that all together, you can avoid all of these attacks with if your movement is skillful enough. You just need to, to nail it. And um, to me, that's, that's wonderful. The fact that you can be playing aggressively, not just hiding behind cover, and still avoiding these enemies' attacks adds a lot of depth and interest to the gameplay for me. Yeah, one of the things you don't find in modern shooters is enemies that you have to learn how to fight. You don't have mm-hmm. to learn a lot of attack patterns in your average Call of Duty game, but in this game you could learn and get better at fighting enemies by knowing how they attack. As I mentioned earlier, the Ogres and to some extent the Shamblers both have ranged attacks, but by getting close to them you can start baiting out their melee attacks and then, you know, kind of strafe outside of their range before ducking in to trigger it again. And I found that once I learned that, they were a lot more fun to fight um, because, you know, yes. I was exploiting their AI and learning that was fun for me. So you can take out the, the Shambler with just a shotgun once you've got that pattern down. Yeah, but then you have to use the shotgun, and it just <laughs> felt like trash. <laughs> yeah, I, I really dislike the shotgun. I, I've I've used many better video games. Going back to my statement on the feedback of the game, perhaps I'm wrong, and that it was only the shotgun that that issue was present with. Because now that I think about it, the explosive weapons felt great to use, and you know I still liked using the nail gun. I think that I'm going to retract my statement and say just the shotgun feels like shit. Um, The other enemies you have to fight, and the the other notable enemy is the Fiend, the one that launches itself at you. And let me tell you, this killed me a number of times So many times. Yeah, I had the same problem with the Fiends that I did with the Pinky or Bull Demons in Doom, in that a lot of the times you die to them, it's because they box you in and you have no options, other than to hope you can kill them and get out through a gap. Yeah, I got caught in a few ambushes where I desperately swapped to the super nail gun to kill one quickly to give myself room to maneuver. But generally, if you're circle strafing and jumping around correctly, you can you can get out of trouble. And part of it is the fact that it is difficult, but you can use your grenade launcher to kill them quickly in those spots. You just have to time it correctly. And once again, I don't know, like I really enjoyed this challenge of using the grenade launcher in these like do or die situations. If you mistime that grenade and you shoot it when they're in your face, well, you're going to die really quickly. But with proper timing and good aiming, you can definitely take them down pretty quickly with it. 
Yeah, no, it, the problem isn't as bad. Um, although sometimes you do get jumped out by like two or three at once, and you just die from full health. That was uh, yeah, that it's was pretty fun. rough. Yeah, yeah. But, but I guess overall for me, um, I really enjoyed how all of these enemies have unique attacks and ways of you know getting at you. And you can use all of them. When you take them all together, it creates these awesome combat scenarios. So yeah. I, I love I loved the gameplay of this game. I loved the weapons. I loved the frantic pace. It was a, a triple plus for me. Yeah, honestly, I would have liked it quite a lot if there had been more low health enemies throughout the game. As it stands, there were just too many ogres for me to enjoy, you know, the general shooting for... A huge period of time like there were definitely a lot of times in this game where i'm like this is really fun but when you know the game slowed down to a crawl because there were lots of high health enemies i couldn't move around corridors super fast fell a bit flat to me in those spots i wish the whole game was just shooting around killing low health enemies with you know with that do a lot of damage that you have to avoid still so there is mm -hmm. challenge there um, and I will say that I definitely think that the game can be like that for people that are better at the game than me. And I really want to stress this point that I really believe that this game is more fun the better you are at shooters. It sounds to me like the issue is a lack of a medium difficulty option between medium and hard and probably the lack of a proper difficulty curve. Um, I, I agree with you that the lack of low level enemies as you progress through the level does get increasingly frustrating. But on the whole, yeah, I, I don't know. I've only got really good things to say. This game's amazing. Yeah, the most satisfying enemies for me to kill were those flying enemies that you mentioned. In Doom, there are these flying... The cacao demons have a lot of health. And as such, they aren't super fun to fight. But the flying enemies in this game go down in one grenade hit. And hitting a moving flying enemy with a grenade does feel really good. Yeah, see, I'm not even good enough to do that very often. I, I often just swap to my nail gun to take them down, you know, rapidly spinning in circles because mm. uh, I struggled to get the arc right. But you are absolutely right. When you nail the grenade hit, it feels amazing. I guess the, the last bit to touch on with gameplay is once you beat all four of the episodes, you unlock a final boss fight of sorts um, in its own little area. How did you feel about the final showdown with, with Shub Niggurath, the Eldritch Horror? See, I, I'm kind of spoiled on this. So Quake is a game that uh, I had access to as a kid, and um, so I knew what to do. Um, it was, it's actually funny because um, my sister was the first one to kill Shub Niggurath. I remember me, my sister, and my dad trying to figure out what the hell we were meant to do to kill this monster. And my sister was controlling it, and she killed it, and I felt very ashamed and angry that she was the one who did it. But I was the one to figure out how she killed it, because we had no idea what the hell had happened. Did, did you find it tricky, or was it pretty obvious? Uh, yeah, so I played the level over and over and over for like you know, only half an hour before I gave up and got a guide. You can't kill... The final boss in this game just by shooting it and uh we haven't spoiler warned yet because there's basically no story in this Quake game spoilers yeah <laughs> um, but this is a if you want to skip ahead five minutes if you don't want to know how to kill the final boss because it is basically a puzzle um then please do that now um so yeah to kill the final boss after discussing this with a few of my friends who had played Quake previously, and in particular the multiplayer which we didn't play, there's a mechanic in Quake in which if two 
objects like a player character and an enemy inhabit the same space at the same time um for example i teleport inside an enemy because you know the enemy was standing on the output of the teleporter that enemy will explode instantly um and that's how you have to kill the final boss of this game there's a moving teleporter pad throughout the level and you have to wait for it to be inside the final boss before teleporting to it effectively causing Shubnigrath to explode in a, you know, sea of gore. Um, and I absolutely had no idea what I was doing. I, yeah, it's called telefragging. Yeah, it is. I actually didn't even realize that that floating orb was the output of the teleporter, because just by chance I'd gone through the teleporter when it was in the same spot every time, so I just <laughs> thought there was a set spot for you to go to. Um, yeah, and I was, like, quite taken aback with how obscure the solution to the puzzle was even though i do think it's kind of cool i just think it's kind of it's the only time in the game where you have to do that or even that that can happen i think so it's very out of left field it uh if it makes you feel better the eight-year-old me struggled like you did although (laughs) my sister is clearly better than both of us so yeah maybe she should be the one running this But yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's um, it's a little anticlimactic that after killing enemies the entire game, you don't get to have a sweet boss fight at the end. But yeah, to me, it's just a bonus fun level almost. I, I barely consider it part of the real game. Yeah. So on the topic of Shub Niggurath and the kind of eldritch horrors of Quake, one of the things I think this game does well in the later acts that we mentioned briefly before is this feeling of surrealism in the level design and like the theming of the levels. Unlike Doom, which is your typical action game, you know, with a bit of a bit of cheesiness thrown in, this game is dark and haunting and kind of goes for an almost like horror game atmosphere, which to me is actually quite strange when you pair it with the very fast paced gameplay. As we saw last fortnight with Silent Hill 2, you know, that game develops its atmosphere in a very slow and methodical creeping kind of way. Whereas this game tries to accomplish, you know, a dark brooding atmosphere with very fast gameplay, which I thought was quite disconcerting at times. I don't know how you felt about it. No, I agree that those two things are at odds. Quake, Quake's atmosphere and aesthetics are in this weird spot where on some level I admire them because whether you like them or don't like them, you can certainly say that Quake is tonally consistent. Yes, it's got this. Uh, it's got this atmosphere and feel to it that stays strong the entire way through. It's it's a bit more grown up than Duke Nukem or Doom or anything, which, which you know, I, I don't know, are a little a little all over the place and what they're trying to to achieve. However, I think that nowadays I have been spoiled by Dark Souls and Bloodborne in their approach to environmental storytelling and i find quake a little bland a lot of it is castles and that's fine castles are great but they're castles without personality there's no statues there's no i don't know that these spaces are very clearly designed as mechanical game spaces as opposed to being places which these monsters might inhabit in some sense, that's an unfair criticism because, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun gameplay shooter from 1996, but it certainly doesn't help the atmosphere when I'm struggling to imagine, I, I guess, situate my place, you know, or understand why these levels and places exist in the first place. 
Yeah, I think that Act 4 did a much better job of the atmosphere than the other games. There's a lot of pitch black sections in corners and, you know, weird atmospheric lamps and lighting. And I think that the surreal level design really, you know, helped to kind of cement that in my mind. I honestly wish that they had gone a lot harder on the atmosphere from the very beginning of the game and gone for this really dark approach right from the get-go instead of kind of having these, you know, bland brown castles that inhabit much of the start of the game. Yeah, when I'm playing through Quake, I can't help but feel that these are places to shoot monsters. And I think that they're awesome places to shoot monsters. Like, Like I said, I really... I adore the gameplay and I think that the level design and everything is in service of creating this incredible gameplay. But the atmosphere never really stuck in the same way for me because the places in which I'm killing things just... It's not that they were abstract, weird, alien places. They were just very clearly gameplay spaces to me. There's nothing truly weird like in the new, I guess, almost quake-inspired game Dusk, which has the Esker labs and is doing all these weird things with geography, they're, they're pretty, you know, it's still all pretty normal as far as I can tell. Yeah, and the graphics don't detract from the gameplay at all, in my opinion. All the enemies are very visually distinct, the projectiles are easy to see, and, you know, the levels are understandable at a glance, um in terms of their layout when you're looking at them, especially in the Quake Spasm engine that we're using with the higher resolutions. But I just think that in terms of the tone they're going for, it does fall a bit flat in this day and age. Yeah, and it's not, yeah, once again, it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's, it's just like a lack of detail. It's, yeah. it's fine, um, I, I'm sure, and I'm sure there's people who love it to bits, and I can understand that. But to me, it's just lacking in detail a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of what it looks like, this game I don't think has held up great. It's very bland in spots. Um, And the most important thing is that it doesn't hinder the gameplay for me. If you're going into Quake for a good gameplay experience, then, you know, you can completely ignore what it looks like. I think that in spots it does shine in the later levels. But, you know, for the most part, I think the early levels are quite whatever. One thing that I think it does brilliantly is its music. Um, so in order to get music working for Quake, it's uh, you have to kind of take an extra step. I think it's something to do with the music originally being on the CD. So if you don't have a CD, it doesn't automatically load. You have to download a sound pack, create a folder, put the music in the folder. It's not too difficult, but it is an additional thing you have to do to get music. And the music on this game is bloody haunting. It isn't orchestral music, it's like a bunch of weird sound effects that puts you on edge. Yeah, I wouldn't say that any song on the soundtrack has anything that could be called a melody. Um, Yes. It's all just weird, creepy ambience, and I actually think it's quite good, but again, I think it's undermined by how fast-paced the gameplay is. 
Yep, there's um, definitely a sense of dissonance there. I don't know how to reconcile that. Um, I guess that when I was low on health, I certainly felt the atmosphere creeping in a lot more. But when I was uh, a killing machine, it felt a little less horrifying. Maybe the monsters should be more scared of me at that point. I um, had played the first few levels without realising that the sound wasn't enabled, because I didn't know you had to go through all these steps to get the soundtrack working. And then when I did get the soundtrack working, I didn't even know if it was playing because it's so sparse and atmospheric for a few Yeah, it's ambient noises in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, things that could almost be construed as sound effects rather than music. But I actually think it's really good. That wasn't the only thing uh, that you uh, didn't realize is working. Do you want to tell them about that, James? Yeah, yeah, this this is pretty funny. Um, (laughs) So in the graphics settings, there's this option screen size, which I mistook for resolution early (laughs) on. And, you know, when I opened the game up full screen for the first time, there was this tiny little square in the middle of my screen that had the action on it. You know, to figure out what the perfect setting was, I put it onto max. And that actually, it looked like the square of the gameplay window perfectly fit my monitor when it was maxed out. And I was like, oh, sweet. And then I played through the game like that. One thing that I really, really was really bothering me in the first few hours of playing the game was that the game didn't have, you know, ammo counts or health bars anywhere. I thought it was really weird that there was just no heads-up <laughs> display to... to... <laughs> and then um, I, I asked Patrick about this, and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you dickhead? <laughs> um, so it turns out that if you have that setting too high, it just turns the HUD off. So yeah, I uh, felt a bit stupid about that, hey? <laughs> yeah, so it turns out James was playing on ultra hard mode, Mega Nightmare. He was playing without ammo counts or armor counts or health counts. Which... Yeah, and I was getting really angry about dying because I couldn't tell when I was about to die. I just had to... Oh, uh, like, it's so good. I had to, like, get a feel. And, you know, I would have been picking it, running into health packs when I only had one health missing or, you know, really inefficient things like that. So, uh you know, don't make the same mistake I did if you play this game. Make sure you've got a HUD going. Although I did actually reduce it, like, increased enough that the, um... There's, like, an ammo count bar above your health. I actually removed that because I found that unlike in Doom, the HUD in this game is quite intrusive. Like, it covers a lot of your weapon as opposed to being, like, under the action window, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uglier than Doom's. Um, I, I liked having the ammo counts up, particularly with regards to the nail gun. The nail gun was deadly, but used ammo very quickly. So um, I needed to know when it was getting close to full. So I Yeah, but if you had the weapon equipped, the weapon you currently had equipped, there was an ammo counter on the right. Just uh, not the bar that showed the ammo for every single gun at the same time. One of the things about Quake, and this is another way... I- gameplay swapping between weapons is instantaneous so you can be shooting the nail gun you swap to the shotgun and you're immediately shooting the shotgun so i was rapidly swapping between all my weapons as i was dancing around you know fragging enemies and what that meant was a lot of the time i wouldn't have those i I didn't want to be swapping to weapons to check their various ammo counts i like having all that information present in front of me so yeah and that's fine The worst part about this entire game is that the little face of the character you play isn't as animated as is in Doom. That was just (laughs) such such a disappointment, you know. It 
it, it zero is out of ten. He, Do he, not. He does play. get wounded, but uh, the nosebleed isn't there or anything. So yeah. Uh, there's a nosebleed there. He just he doesn't look around and I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's a static image that changes. Yeah. <laughs> completely ruined my immersion. Just terrible game. <laughs> zero out of ten. Yeah. Alrighty, um, should we move on to final impressions? Yeah, so Patrick, I know that you love this game. We can we can all kind of tell from the way you've been gushing about it. So how about you gush about it some more for us? I will. Quake is a masterpiece. It, it's funny, I, I always, in my memory, Doom is like the better game. But nowadays, I am very much a gameplay guy and Quake has superb gameplay. It's like... You could you could put this aside any game that has been released today and it would be fantastic. It isn't flawless. Um, there are lots of little annoyances I have with it that I haven't gone to detail. Things like the spawn really irritate me and shouldn't be there. But the feel of having to manage your distance with the explosive weapons, the wide variety of enemies that attack you in melee and various projectile ways that you can all avoid with skillful movement, this game is an absolute joy to to play through. Um, episode four is worse, but but that's okay. The aesthetics or whatever, I I think they're fine and serviceable. They could be better, but they're fine, and at least it's tonally consistent. But when it comes to a single player gameplay experience, this game is fantastic. Um, the closest I can think to it is Dusk, which you know in a lot of ways is a successor to Quake, and I do think Dusk actually edges out Quake, but Quake is. Really good game. The gameplay is superb. Download it, play it. This is the best game we've played so far on this podcast. Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think this is... I don't know. I will like to reiterate my opinion that if you're good at shooters, this game can be exceptionally fun. But, you know, I'm not. And as such, I found the experience to be completely average like when i you went back and you played through the game a few times because you thought it was fun i'm I'm on Um, my third playthrough it's great yeah like i went back on hard just to see if i could do it and then i was like okay i feel like i can but i don't want to keep playing you know it's it's not that i didn't enjoy my time playing quake it's just that at no point in the game was I grinning ear to ear thinking this is amazing because, you know, I haven't mastered those movement options and, you know, the game looks completely average, less than average these days, much less than average these days. It's brown as all hell. Everything looks generic as all hell. The enemy designs are still cool, but, you know, it just, it looks whatever. It sounds great. And the gameplay to me is just thoroughly mediocre. If I was playing this game without enemies and was speeding around the levels, I'd probably have more fun, honestly. But all the tight corridors that stopped me going fast, you know, mostly due to my lack of ability, mind you, really took away. And the bullet sponginess of the ogres, combined with how prevalent they are, really made me feel like shooting them with a shotgun a hundred times was such a slog. Particularly, you know, enemies in these old games don't have weak points to aim at that I find interesting. You know, you just you just memorize how many shots each enemy takes to kill, and then when you encounter that, 
you you know you shoot them five times with the shotgun or twice with the grenade launcher and that's that um the things that were fun to me in this game were traversing the environment unhindered finding secrets and just you know general exploration the shooting's really whatever so my conclusion is essentially if you're good at shooters, you'll probably have a lot of fun with this game. If you're the kind of person that's going to replay it a lot of times to get better at the experience, you'll probably have a lot of fun. But if you're just looking for a shooter to play through once casually, I don't think this is a great experience. Especially when there are so many other, you know, fun casual experiences to play through these days. You know, I was only intending to play through it once and uh, it got its claws into me, so... In fact, as I was preparing my notes to this episode, I kept firing up levels to play through them again to get a better feel for it. <laughs> what a great yeah. game. Yeah, well, I mean, at least I guess it's not that I don't understand that this game can reach those heights. I absolutely do think that for the right people, this game can be an exceptional, you know, 10 out of 10 game. Just not for me and, you know, people who are pretty mediocre at shooting games. Sure. So... With that in mind, last week when we discussed Silent Hill, we saved the story discussion for the end, and it lasted us about 30 minutes or so, and it's going to be pretty much the same thing here, because Quake has an excellent... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we've got the short spoilers out of the way. We're going to move into full spoilers now. Full detailed really... analysis of Quake's story. <laughs> of Quake's story and lore. <laughs> um, oh dear. Yeah, so the story is essentially you beat an episode and then you wait for this painfully slow text dump at the end of the episode and then you read it and it's mediocre and then you move on. I'm going to be honest, I, I skipped the text dumps. I, I, yeah, I they were like, so oh, slow. I can't wait for that slow. shit. I want to go fast. <laughs> um, so that's about it. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode on Quake. I'd like to give a big thank you to everyone who's listened to us so far. We've been going for a few months now, and it's uh, still fun. A special thank you to the Quake community on Reddit for um, providing us with the Quake Spasm engine as the best way to enjoy it. And um, thank you to everyone who's listened to us so far. Uh, if you'd like to listen to another episode, uh, you can find us at www.rspodcast.net. Or if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it would be very much appreciated. We are at Ret Podcast. That's at R-E-T Podcast. You can follow us for articles and our further podcast episodes. So with that in mind, in the next fortnight, we're going to get to play a good game. Um, and I know we uh, say that. <laughs> I know we say that every fortnight, but mine is good this time. In the past few times that I've chosen a game, I've chosen a brand new game that I haven't chosen before. But Pat keeps choosing games that he's played before and really likes, so I thought, you know, maybe I should do that as well. So next fortnight, we're going to be playing a game called Mega Man Battle Network 3, which I have played a lot of in my childhood. This is a series of games with nine games in them, and I finished all of them at one point or another. So I'm very excited to go back and see if it's, you know, still as fun as I remember it being when I was a kid. Yep, James has chosen some shitty, obscure games for the Game Boy Advance that no one has ever heard of, so I'm sure it'll be an absolute delight to play. I don't feel like a game with nine entries in the series is somewhat obscure, but, you know, we'll find out if Pat has shit taste once again on the next episode of Retrospectors. Bye! Bye!